Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, the harassment of freedom-loving Albertans continues. First, the COVID Karens came for churches, then restaurants, then motocross events, and now, gee, is nothing sacred? They are targeting rodeos. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the nitty-gritty details. And the Coca-Cola company thought it was a jolly good idea to embrace racist policies in the name of social justice. Guess what? Their customers didn't appreciate this kind of wokeism and sales of the soda have tanked big time. High Energy Andrew Chapados has a story. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about the massive anti-lockdown protests that took place last Saturday in Montreal. It was a joyous event. It was a festive event, actually. Although you wouldn't know that if you relied on the mainstream media for your news. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. The love for the sport was the love for your job. And that's all I wanted to do is just ride bulls because that's what I love to do and that's how I love to make my money. And having that gone, it's just, it, it hurt a lot. Churches have been outlawed, rodeos have been outlawed, peaceful protests have been outlawed, family dinners have been outlawed, showing our faces in public have all been outlawed. But as Thomas Jefferson said, when law becomes injustice, resistance becomes duty. This is where we need to be all summer long. Not one rodeo, all summer long. We would go almost every single weekend to a rodeo. If this is Canada. This is a free country. We have freedom to speak, freedom to go to church, freedom to be us, and you're trying to take that away from us, but we aren't gonna let you. If the government doesn't want us to uh, have events and plan events, and they say that we can't plan One events months in advance, we then we're gonna, we're gonna plan them for ourselves. We'll do it ourselves, that's the Alberta way. I know everybody in my world, and they're standing behind me right now, and HS and Dina Henshaw and Jason Kenny and the whole works of them assholes, they can stuff it. Here we have it. Give her. Go ahead. Sheila Gunn-Reed here for Rebel News at the No More Lockdowns Rodeo near Bowdoin, Alberta. Yes, friends, it's another weekend where I can't believe that this is my real job that I get paid for because for those of you who don't know, I love rodeo. I love rodeo culture. I love Western wear a little more than I should. I love little kids in cowboy hats. I love the prayers before rodeo begins. I love the celebration of the tradition of man versus animal that has built so much of this great province. And I love fighting the government for freedom. So this is a great day on the job for me because the government has said that this event cannot go forward. I should tell you that our friends at the Western Standard are sponsoring the rodeo today. Good move guys, right on brand. And they've live streamed the entire event so far and it's up on their YouTube page if you wanna check it out. Now, today's Sunday, so day two of this two-day event, Cowboy Church has just wrapped up. How many different ways is that illegal in Alberta? An in-person, unrestricted church at an illegal rodeo. Anyway, approximately 2,000 people were in attendance yesterday here at Ty Northcott's farm just south of Bowdoin. Ty Northcott is a legend in the Canadian rodeo industry and he's a stock provider for the sport. And initially he tried to put on his protest rodeo 
at the local Bowdoin Rodeo Grounds, but after Alberta Health Services put pressure on the local Ag Society, they terminated their contract with him to use the site. But as they say, the show must go on. So Ty moved the entire rodeo over to his farm in the blink of an eye. Yesterday, two local RCMP officers were sent out to investigate the event. Rebel News was there when they arrived, but they weren't adversarial whatsoever. They were clearly not here yesterday to bust up the event. How could they? There were just two of them. They were here to collect evidence on behalf of Alberta Health Services so that they can come along and ticket tie after the fact. This, friends, is a deeply conservative area, and this is the heart of Canada's rodeo country. And these folks in attendance today are normally the base that UCP Premier Jason Kenney can reliably count on. But yesterday, when Jason Kenney's name was mentioned, he was booed. These people are here to rebel against Jason Kenney's lockdown, not only on their favorite sport, but on their lives in general. Rodeo in Canada has missed one full season, and the second season is in serious jeopardy if the sport doesn't reopen immediately. Meanwhile, in places like Wyoming, North and South Dakota, Texas, and Florida, cowboys are making money and competing every single weekend in the sport they love. Canadian cowboys are being left behind. Here in Alberta, the government wants us to believe that cowboys who ride bulls and saddle broncs and wrestle steers should be scared enough of a disease with a nearly 100% survival rate that they should understand why their sport is being slowly killed by the government. All the right people are outraged about this event. NDP leader and former Premier Rachel Notley says she has no words for what's happening here. Well, I do, Rachel. Just pretend this is a BLM march of thousands of people in an Edmonton or a Calgary street back when it was perfectly safe for your MLAs to attend those events and even speak at them. Amazing, isn't it, folks? The great destroyer, Rachel Notley, has no words for an illegal rodeo taking place, but, oh, she has plenty of words and words of affirmation, no less, when it comes to Black Lives Matter demonstrations because, of course, the Wuhan virus won't infect social justice demonstrators, but I guess it hates rodeo fans and it will turn such a gathering into a super spreader event because that's what the science dictates. Uh, but what kind of science are we speaking of here? Political science or weird science? And joining me now regarding the war on rodeo in Alberta is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? Hey, David, thanks for having me on the show. Always a pleasure, my friend. So, Sheila, last week we spoke about the war on motocross in Alberta. This week it's the rodeo. And I have to ask the same question. Given that the vast majority of the Wuhan virus deaths are seniors residing in long-term care facilities, how in the world does shutting down an outdoor rodeo do anything to improve that gruesome situation? It doesn't. Everybody knows that it doesn't. Uh, I mean, it, the, as you rightly point out, the vast majority of the deaths related to uh, the COVID-19 pandemic are coming from government-controlled and government-regulated facilities, namely long-term care facilities. It, it's not coming from anything that's happening outside. And actually, we know 
that living a sedentary lifestyle and being inactive, those are some of the largest contributors to the comorbidities that result in deaths related to COVID-19. So shutting down these outdoor activities with largely fit young people as competitors seems counterintuitive if you are truly concerned about the spread of the coronavirus. Yeah, and I mean, to compare apples with apples here, um, Sheila, I would suggest that on the same day that rodeo was happening in your province, there were Walmarts, there were Costco's, indoor gatherings, maybe even more people than showed up to that rodeo. So where's the science here uh, that an outdoor event is a super spreader event, but indoors shop till you drop? Hey, that's okay. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Everybody wants us to follow the science. But the science seems to be changing day by day uh, based on the whims of politicians. For example, here in Alberta, three weeks ago, they said the only safe place to dine, and it was perfectly safe, was outdoors, on a patio. So all the restaurant owners ran out, invested in permits, furniture, heaters, tents. They expanded their patios. Then, earlier this week, Jason Kenney said, oh, no, you know what? Now that's not safe. Sorry about all the money you invested in this. Sorry about telling you three weeks ago that that was the only safe way to dine. Apparently, there's only one safe way to dine, and that's takeout as long as you go straight home and eat it with your immediate family. None of it makes sense, and that's the reason why people are doing these things now. People who played by the rules for 14 I guess we're approaching 15 months now, 15 months of two weeks to flatten the curve. They've had enough and they have figured out that the government is never going to give them their rights back, give them their life back, give them their freedom back, give them their sports and their passions back. They're just going to have to take them and drag the government kicking and screaming into changing their mind. You know, Sheila, I'm glad you brought uh, Premier Kenny into this because uh, I, I have serious doubts uh, how he's coming to so many uh, decisions. I'm, I took a shot at Rachel Notley uh, for the hypocrisy of uh, dumping on rodeo, yet embracing even larger gatherings of Black Lives Matter demonstrator, demonstrators. But you would expect that from Rachel Notley. You would expect her to be hypocritical uh, when it comes to different types of demonstrations. You would expect her to dump on Western heritage, which is rodeo. But it seems that I heard a rumor that Premier Kenny said words to the effect of he wants a new base. Uh, what, What was wrong with the old base? And this would be rodeo supporters and rodeo people. What was wrong with that old base that gave him a majority a couple of years ago? Yeah, that's the thing. You said in your introduction that Rachel Notley said she had no words. <laughs> that That's fine. She by and large shut up then. But Jason <laughs> Kenney had play, plenty of words for these people. Who are his base? The Bowdoin Rodeo is exactly a place where Jason Kenney would drive his blue pickup truck, his Unite Alberta pickup truck, and campaign for votes. He would shake hands, he'd flip pancakes in the morning, and he would go to Cowboy Church. Yet, after the rodeo, he denounced not only the people who attended the rodeo, but the rodeo organizers, Ty Northcott, and I suppose, by extension, 
the professional cowboys who competed in the event. And these are well-known professional cowboys that if they had the, at this point, good fortune to be Americans, they would be rodeoing just fine in Wyoming, in Montana, in the Dakotas, in Florida, and in Texas, because those are the only places right now that you can make money as a cowboy in some places in Nevada. Um, But they're basically out of luck here in Alberta. And Jason Kenney went on this several tweet screed uh, right after the rodeo, denouncing the people who went and also saying that they don't represent the rodeo community. If working cowboys, Canadian finals rodeo competitors, and Ty Northcott, a generational cowboy, a stock contractor, I mean, the guy is the heart and soul of the rodeo industry. If these people are not representative of rodeo, then nobody is. And it's certainly not a career politician from his perch in Edmonton who speaks for the rodeo community. The thing is, Jason Kenney has to try to say that they don't represent the rodeo community at large because because naturally then he'd have a real problem on his hands, right? That oh. he, he's got to paint those people as fringe radicals because then, you know, then they seem like a small minority instead of the vocal majority of rodeo now is speaking out against Jason Kenney. Uh, uh, Sheila, it, to me, what you just said is so staggering. Uh, as you know, I, I got into the journalism racket back in 1985 when I got a job at St. Paul, Alberta, at the Journal there, and I covered plenty of rodeos. And in addition to meeting some of just the greatest guys you could ever come across, people that would give you the shirt off their back, um, my impression was that these are hardcore conservative people. These are the people that would have voted uh, UCP. These aren't the, you know, uh, soy boy woke latte drinking types that go for Rachel Notley. Um, Did something change in the world of rodeo or... If that's not the case, and I don't think it's the case, then what happened to Premier Kenny in the space of a few years? I don't know. I don't know. Rodeo is still the same. I mean, I haven't been to a rodeo except for this one since November of 2019. So it's been a while since we've had a rodeo. Um, But it is the same old rodeo. Cowboy church, farmers, ranchers, families, uh, prayers before um, each day kicks off. I mean, it's the same. It's yep. the rodeo is exactly the same. What's cha- what's changed is Jason Kenny. Unbelievable. Jason Kenny is not the same Jason Kenny that campaigned at small town rodeos. Um, I, I mean, to denounce these people, these hardworking people who not only are his base because they're in agriculture, but are also his base because ro- rodeo cowboys, they moonlight as professional cowboys. Yeah. By and large, they have real jobs in trucking, farming and the oil patch. And so those people, I mean, these people are like layers and layers and layers of the reliable conservative base. And Jason Kenney says he doesn't want them as his base anymore. So good luck getting the Wokarati in Edmonton to vote for you. Yeah, no, that's why I love the Rodeo Cowboys. They, they've all got day jobs, much like professional lacrosse players uh, in, yeah. in that league. They're, they're firefighters, they're police officers. Uh, so they are literally doing it for the love of the sport, not for seven or eight figure contracts, where, which you see with the other major sports. Exit question, Sheila. Looking forward in the days and weeks to come, 
Do you see some critical mass here? Like I know every town and city and hamlet in Alberta has a rodeo at some point on the calendar. Will you see more rodeos in the future spring up in defiance of the government or will they bend the knee uh, to these bureaucrats and uh, Alberta Health Services uh, people in terms of trying to get them to shut down because allegedly they're super spreader events? Well, it sounds like Ty Northcott is going to continue to organize rodeos and um, so that he doesn't put the local agricultural societies in jeopardy by using their rodeo grounds. He's looking to use private land to do it. Um, and so he's not on like he's not frightened. He's not scared. He's going to keep going ahead. And his rodeo had sponsors. So not just the Western Standard Online, which I mean, Great, very on brand guys at the Western Standard, but he had some other corporate sponsors too. So the corporate world that Jason Kenny again, usually reliably can count on, um, they are siding with the lockdown resistors now. And I think we are going to see critical mass. The rebellion seems to constantly be coming from rural Alberta. It happened with the restaurant, yeah. the restaurant rebellion. It's going to happen with rodeo. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, it, it looks to me like that conservative coalition that the Wild Rose and the old PCs, that's coming undone. We're seeing that, you know, the people are splitting off again, going back to the uh, Wild Rose idea of, you know, we don't need Edmonton making our rules for us. We're seeing that and we're seeing that happening within Jason Kenney's caucus. Because there are that, you know, dozen and a half MLAs who signed that anti-lockdown letter. Yeah. We're seeing things unravel for Jason Kenney, and he's running out of time to fix it. Oh, I agree, Sheila. He's playing with fire. Well, listen, that was a great report. And I got to tell you, as a city slicker, I love the rodeo. I think I might have told you uh, I went yeah. to the Smoky Lake Rodeo in 1985. I tried some George <laughs> Plimpton journalism. I got on a bull called Oscar for precisely two and a half seconds. And then they loaded me into an ambulance. But I still <laughs> love rodeo. So thank you once again. And you have a gr great weekend, Sheila. <laughs> I will, David. Thanks. You too. Okay, then. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Coca-Cola's website says, Diversity, equity, and inclusion are at the heart of our values in our growth strategy and play an important part in our company's success. Well, maybe not anymore. Coca-Cola has paused its diversity initiative after their senior VP and global general counsel, Bradley Gayton, has resigned. Many are speculating that given his huge push for diversity initiatives at the company, backlash has caused a decline in customer support. If you remember last summer, Coke stopped advertising on social media to boycott the lack of moderating of hate speech. The CEO, James Quincy, even made a big social justice push in a Zoom call and blog post. Very brave. Then, this year, because of Georgia requiring ID to vote, Coke and other companies blasted the state for such harsh measures, and eventually the Major League Baseball All-Star Game was moved out of Atlanta, even though that's where Coca-Cola is based out of. Very smart business move. But perhaps the craziest move headed by the now former VP was the diversity requirement for outside counsel when used by Coca-Cola. 
In a January 2021 letter addressed to, quote, U.S. law firm supporting the Coca-Cola company, end quote, so basically anyone, Gaten required a diversity quote of 30% for all billed associate and partner time from any of the following races. And quote, and of such amounts, at least half will be from black attorneys. Very, very progressive, as you can imagine. If law firms didn't comply with their diversity demands, they would actually pay them less. Not sure how that's allowed. Now, this combined with a multi-year battle with the IRS that could see a possible $12 billion tax bill, Coke is having their worst decline since 1940s. Yes, not even post-World War II sales can help them now. Don't worry, though, Gaten will still get $12 million over the next year from his early resignation, but it may take a bit longer for Coca-Cola to get its reputation back. Well, what a wacky, wacky world we live in, eh, folks? A few decades ago, South Africa was a pariah in the view of most nations, and justifiably so, given its racial apartheid policy. But these days, the same people who lambasted South Africa as a racist regime now embrace their own sort of apartheid when it comes to essentially showing favoritism to anyone who isn't white. Sorry, that just does not compute. And if you need some evidence of that, just check out the balance sheet of the Coca-Cola company these days. And joining me now with more on the latest installment of Get Woke, Go Broke, is Andrew Chapados. So Andrew, I gotta tell you, um, I think if I'm a shareholder of uh, the Coca-Cola company, I am right now redder than a Coke can. The business of this company is to sell soda pop, not to do some kind of perverse racial engineering. What do you make of this? It's really weird, and it looks like it's just one of the diversity initiatives that really went wrong, David. So any law firm that Coca-Cola works with has to have a 30% diversity quota, which is, this is what the lawyer wanted. So any uh, partner or any lawyer, they had to be part of a firm that had at least 30% all these different races, whether it was native, even disabled, um, LGBTQ. So any identity that they wanted had to be represented by 30% in that company. And if they didn't have that diversity quota, David, they would pay them less. So I don't know how that's allowed, but they actually were demanding that these law firms adhere to their diversity quotas if they wanted to work with them. Well, I would suggest that's illegal. You're being paid lay less based on race. I mean, that used to happen in the bad old days, you know, when uh, you would have uh, people from racialized communities uh, not being paid the same as white people. And we don't want to go back to those days again. But it looks like in the name of social justice, Andrew, we are reverting back. It's almost as though this kind of race policy is, for lack of a better uh, term, uh, politically correct apartheid. Well, you'll see how much they regret it and how much money they've had to pay this man out for resigning. $12 million <laughs> in less than one year. The rest of 2021, I imagine, I'm not sure if it's a fiscal year, but they owe him $12 million. They're going to be paying him in one lump sum and a bunch of further payments because he was also at the spearhead of the initiative to boycott Georgia boycott Atlanta, which of course resulted famously in the Major League Baseball All-Star Game being moved from Atlanta to Colorado, which is really weird because Coca-Cola is based out of Atlanta. That's so the head office, yeah. So they're literally driving business away and has to be thousands of 
cans or bottles of Coca-Cola at this all-star game being purchased. So they're driving business away from their own city um, to make a point that clearly didn't make any sense at all because if you actually look into the voter ID laws, it's just <laughs> providing ID in order to vote. They've extended hours in some yeah. places. They didn't want, uh, what's the word when you try to appeal to people at the voting booth? Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't remember the word, but the Democrats tried to twist this by saying they're banning people from bringing water to yeah. people who are voting in line. When the actual thing is you're not allowed to go and speak and uh, petition voters in a lineup by speaking to them and persuading them, that sort of thing. You know, and what you um, described, Andrew, in terms of Major League Baseball, shows you the appalling hypocrisy of the, the woke movement, which is to say, if we had baseball going on right now at uh, the Sky Dome, and I wanted to go to uh, get uh, watch a Blue Jays game, and if I made a phone order to pick up the tickets at the Will Call booth, I can't just say, hey, I'm David Menzies, give me my <laughs> tickets. They go, can you give us some ID? Exactly what uh, they were talking about for Georgia elections. So it's racist to ask a person for ID to vote in an election, but it's not racist to ask them for their ID to pick up some lousy baseball tickets? Yeah, and I think this one really backfired the whole initiative by LeBron James and these companies going against the Georgia, Georgia voting laws because they were just relying on people not looking into it at all. Yeah. And I've seen countless videos now of people asking left-leaning individuals, black people, Democrat voters, if they think it's racist, and they do not because people obviously understand you need ID for everything else. So this one has really backfired, and just like other companies, we covered before like Red Bull, like uh, Goodyear tires. This initiative has really backfired. The only company I think it's actually worked for is Nike and maybe that's just because of where their advertising lies mm. even though there's the wild hypocrisy of getting everything made in China. Uh, most companies have had to backtrack on these stances. As soon as it gets exposed to the public what their stances are and their rules are, for example Goodyear's was you can't wear a MAGA hat there oh. but you can wear BLM. I, I remember that commentary, and again, it's more hypocrisy. Um, if good, yes, a private company, uh, Andrew, of course, can have a dress code, but if you're saying uh, no to a MAGA hat and yes to a BLM T-shirt, um, that's inconsistent. It should be while you're on duty, you cannot wear any kind of haberdashery that has a political statement, but they didn't do that. They said some political statements are okay and some are not. There is actually a, te a tech company out right now, and Glenn Beck did a story on this, which I saw recently, so show to get Glenn Beck. A tech company put out a notice to their uh, their employee base and said, if you guys want to talk about politics, if you want to be political at work, if you want us to take a political stance, we're not going to do it. This is a tech company, we're not taking political yeah. sides, and this is how it's going to be. And over a hundred employees walked off their jobs. They just left. So that's an interesting way of how a company can weed out the people who are going to be oh, most angry. Isn't that Yeah, something? exactly. So they kind of, because if you're just firing people for doing this stuff, you could be subject to lawsuits, you could be subject to discrimination, and people and bad PR, of course. But yeah. if you're just telling them we're not going to, you know, bend the knee to BLM or or support Biden or even support Republicans, and they just walk out on their own, then you pretty much get away with it. I, I'm going to look into that story. That is fascinating. Uh, last question, uh, Andrew. Uh, when it comes to corporations, the bottom line is indeed the bottom line, which is you know their their balance sheet. And I'm thinking that the unspoken strategy against this wokeism that Coca-Cola embraced 
they thought this would get mass acceptance. They mm -hmm. thought they would get a buy-in uh, that sales of their soda would go up because that is their prime directive to generate sales. Um, it didn't happen that way. Um, and I'm wondering if this is a cautionary tale for other corporations that if you're gonna do this wokeism uh, to reach out uh, to the insane fringe out there that thinks that, yeah, this new age racism is a good idea. Maybe they're not gonna go this route given what happened to Coca-Cola. Yeah, new age and groovy, everybody. There's a lot of facets that went into this Coca-Cola decision. They ha have a large lawsuit with the IRS right now that people are speculating they're gonna lose, which will cost them billions of dollars. And on top of that, because of worldwide restrictions on shipping with COVID, their distribution of Coca-Cola products is actually the lowest it's been since post-World War II. Wow. You know, people came home from the Great War, they wanted a cool glass of Coca-Cola. <laughs> but it hasn't been as good, or it hasn't been as bad as it's been since the 1940s. So they've got all these things going on, and when you add on this guy on top of it, he's promising probably that he's gonna bring in these great initiatives that are gonna do so well for them. The CEO's in on it. He's making videos and blogs, and it doesn't work. It's probably not worth it to keep going. And to your point about uh, choosing dollars or choosing uh, ideology over the dollars, that's something I struggle with identifying, David, because a lot of these companies seem to be exchanging a monetary value with, with the seeking of power. Mm -hmm. If you take YouTube, for example, who's demonetizing us, there's no doubt through advertising revenue with the cut that YouTube takes from ads that they have made probably tens of millions off of Rebel News just through advertising over the years, uh, judging by the view count. They are choosing ideology because they think at the end of the day, it will wield them more power in the future. They'll be able to have a greater say when it comes to the government, especially with the Biden administration, who's openly working with places like Facebook, places like Twitter on how to further censor people. We're seeing it here with your yeah. best friend, Stephen Gilbo. He, he, <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind that he's working with Facebook Canada and Elections Canada and YouTube that's just my opinion and in the end they just think it'll get them more power so they may take a 50 hundred million dollar hit in one place but in the end the influence and power they may have at the end of the day will be invaluable well there you go it was a great report Andrew now I gotta tell you folks I mean if you don't like something that's being inflicted on you vote with your wallet Coca-Cola doesn't have a monopoly on uh, soft drinks so go to another company or better yet how about this don't drink that Coca-Cola I mean it is just sugary water it's one of the big drivers as to why we have an obesity and a diabetes problem just drink some water instead right out of the tap better for you and it's free. Right out of the tap, David Menzies. What <laughs> kind of monster are you? <laughs> Keep it here for more of Rebel Roundup right after this. freedom you know there's too many people that dying from not eating not drinking you know and it's important to everyone to have to know that you can be all equal in this world 
humidity on a mask, under a mask, is a breeding ground for bacteria. Okay, so somebody cannot tell me that that's not true. This is what we have to do. Stop basing it on fear and, and quick reaction and, and basing it on science. That's what I'm asking. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Montreal. Well, folks, it's just afternoon and there is a huge anti-lockdown demonstration occurring here. Thousands of people are here. And you know, talk about herd immunity. Uh, there is a police presence, but they are on the periphery. They are allowing all these citizens to exercise their right of assembly, uh, their freedom of speech. And that's not to say they're gonna respect those rights because the day is young. So things might change, but for now, thousands are marching right past Olympic Stadium. And um, the message is clear, enough is enough. They are tired of the lockdowns. They are tired of businesses going bankrupt. They are tired of thousands and thousands of Canadians losing their jobs. The cure is worse than the curse, clearly. And these Quebecers are saying, it's time for Premier Legault to change his tune. It's time for him to open up the province. Let's see what happens. That's one heck of a hat, I gotta tell you. It looks like a, uh, a ventilation pipe with a face mask on it. What, what's the story? It's all about bullshit. For a year we've had bullshit. So this is as good as a curfew. Uh, this is for COVID-19 and this is for the variant. What kind of reaction are you getting to your uh, headwear, sir? People are happy. They're just happy. They understand about the bullshit of, of all this. Yeah. You see the people there at the commerce? Go, go do the, the march and go do it backward. Go ask every commerce. Every patriot here, they stop at the commerce, they buy beer, they buy some snacks, they buy some foods. We're here for liberty, we're here for freedom, we're here to leave our fucking Quebecers right. The one thing now all of the, our government wants to do is to tax us. Tax us with climate change, tax us with everything. But what is the fucking deal of taxing people when people are here suffering, people losing their job, people putting in lockdown, Wow, we need to step up. We're all here to stand up in the fucking Olympic Stadium. We're here for freedom. Vive le Québec libre. Well, what a magnificent event in Montreal last Saturday in which an estimated 100,000 Montrealers and others took to the streets to demand that Quebec Premier Francois Legault open up the economy and jettison that silly curfew law. And this protest march was more than peaceful. It was downright festive. Although you wouldn't know that from the mainstream media coverage. I know, shockers. In any event, you had plenty to say about the Montreal Mega March for Freedom. Dennis Young writes, without people like Rebel News, the protests wouldn't be on anyone's radar. Oh, well, I can tell you, Dennis, there were indeed mainstream media types covering this event, and much of it was fake news in terms of downplaying the number of demonstrators and falsifying the motives of these people. For example, check out the lead paragraph from the Montreal Gazette. Quote, what began as a generally peaceful protest against Quebec's public health measures near the Olympic Stadium on Saturday ended with tear gas and arrests when a smaller crowd began throwing rocks, fireworks, and smoke bombs at police officers, Montreal police said, end quote. Look, 
me and my colleagues, Mocha and Alex, were there for the entire march, and we were also there for a few hours after the march concluded. We witnessed none of those shenanigans. So if this is indeed true, these incidents occurred several hours after the demonstrators had gone home. And gee, I wonder if the people throwing those rocks and smoke bombs at police were part of another demonstration. You see, folks, last Saturday was also May the 1st, a.k.a. May Day. And at Jerry Park, anarchists and Antifa types and Marxists gathered for an anti-capitalism rally. They later went on a rampage, smashing the windows of small businesses because, well, these people are violent morons. So maybe it was this crew that was responsible for those violent shenanigans. And of course, the Montreal Gazette, well, they would never, ever conflate those two groups on purpose now, would they? Freedom R writes, we need masses like this in Toronto. Remember when the Toronto Raptors won the championship and the amount of people who were downtown? We need that kind of crowd to make a change. Well, Freedom R, I would love to see that kind of demonstration in Hogtown too. There were more than a million people in downtown Toronto that day back in 2019 that you refer to. And look, I'm happy for the Raptors and their fans, but you know, I think fighting for our cherished freedoms is far more important than celebrating an NBA championship. Shane Woolsey writes, I'm an old Albertan and I never would have thought I would say Viva la Quebec Libre in my lifetime and mean it. Hey Shane, by sheer numbers, Quebec is leading the way in terms of fighting it back against outrageous restrictions on our rights and freedoms. So yeah, Viva la Quebec Libre, indeed. Robert Cleary writes, Listen to your local police and emergency scanners on a Friday and Saturday. In my area, up in Simcoe, Ontario, there were many attempted suicides, domestic disputes, kids and parents having arguments, people being taken to hospital not for the virus, but for panic, atta panic attacks and suicide attempts. Well, how dreadfully sad, Robert, and yet more proof in the proverbial pudding that the so-called cure for this virus is far, far worse than the curse. And the Megalenium writes, I will never make fun of French Canadians ever again. I'm sorry, mates, you have my respect. Hey, my friend, now why would you ever make fun of French Canadians in the first place? I thought we we're supposed to make fun of Newfoundlanders. Relax, people of the rock. I'm just kidding. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.